0: so much for tuning in and welcome everyone. Hope you're well. I'm your host Ben Lively and you are listening to Shaken Awake episode number 7. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. Looks like we have some more listeners from Canada. Always welcoming our friends and neighbors up there in, in Canada to join us. Welcome again. And if you found value uh, from these podcasts, please pass the news. Pass the uh, the podcast name and link to a friend or family member or colleague that you feel would benefit from this show. And uh, become blessed as you are through the words that the Lord shares through these messages. As always, I promise you another great show but, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He is always right there with you, even when you think he's not. So let's get ready to invite him in with us right here, right now, and allow him uh, to speak directly to your heart and mind. So let's get right in the heart of today's topic, shall we? Today we're going to be diving into part two of a very important topic What does having a relationship with Jesus Christ mean and why it's vital for your life and for eternity? So the point of today's part two is to hear and seek to understand what the word of God says about having a relationship with Jesus. I want and I need to understand how much of what I believe to know is true about a relationship Actually aligns with the word of God. Otherwise, it's a worldly definition of mine, and it's meaningless. As I believe you'd agree, I'm wrong too much in life. These are areas I don't want to find out when it's too late that I was wrong. And again, I'm I'm sure you're the same way. On the other hand, and even more importantly, is if I'm wrong now, I don't want to continue down the wrong path. For Christ's sake, not mine. You know, it's His will be done, not my will be done. I've lived my entire life with the mantra of my will be done. I'm not willing to live that life of sin and death anymore. I want to know what the Holy Spirit inspired these men to write regarding the need for a personal relationship with Christ. I want to hear what Christ uh, Jesus said himself about having a relationship with him. And I want to know what God himself breathed into these pages that are still alive today as they were over 2000 years ago, don't you? Then let's do it. Here we go. But before we do, I must go off topic just slightly and share something that really struck me in the past week that I have to share with you all. It still aligns with what we're talking about and it, you know, it certainly lends credibility and reason why we must have a firm relationship with God, but it's not from me or from the Bible per se. It's from Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost for His Highest. It's a daily devotional. I strongly encourage and urge you to buy it and be blessed by it day after day, week after week, year after year, as I have. Some of you today need to hear this. I needed to hear this last week. I also received recent feedback from a listener, and I do love feedback, especially the uh, the constructive criticisms kind. So this is for their constructive criticism, which they believe I may potentially paint a picture in some of these podcasts that leave out some hope for those that may need it most, that I may be leaving out a message of... It's never too late to turn from your ways and lean on God and his saving grace and wisdom. I believe that I do, but since reality is perception, I'll take that and I'll give credibility to it. And I'm going to introduce even more scripture to back up what I say here so that there is a message of hope that balances out the scales of truth I also spill through these podcasts as well. That's why I say, if the shoe fits, kick it off. So the following... Gave me strong, what I call uh, spiritual chills. And I felt the Holy Spirit just provide a message directly to my heart with Oswald Chambers' message. So here it is. And I hope it does the same for you, especially that listener that provided me that excellent feedback. So from Oswald's April 6th devotional entitled The Collision of God and Sin. So this is a portion of a verse that's taken from the entire verse of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Okay? The cross of Christ is the revealed truth of God's judgment on sin. Never associate the idea of martyrdom with the cross of Christ. It was the supreme triumph and it shook the very foundations of hell. There is nothing in time or eternity more absolutely certain and irrefutable that what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, he made it possible for the entire human race to be brought back into a right standing relationship with God. He made redemption the foundation of human life. That is, he made a way for every person to have fellowship With God. The cross was not something that happened to Jesus. He came to die. The cross was his purpose in coming. He is, quote unquote, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's from Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. The incarnation of Christ would have no meaning without the cross. Beware of separating, quote unquote, God was manifested in the flesh from quote unquote. He made him to be sin for us. That's out of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The purpose of the incarnation was redemption. God came in the flesh to take sin away, not to accomplish something for himself. The cross is the central event in time and eternity and the answer to all the problems of both. The cross is not the cross of a man, but the cross of God. It can never be fully comprehended through human experience. The cross is God exhibiting his nature. It's the gate through which any and every individual can enter in a oneness with God. But it's not a gate we pass right through. It's one where we abide in the life that is found there. The heart of salvation is the cross of Christ. The reason salvation is so easy to obtain is that it costs God so much. The cross was the place where God and sinful man merged with a tremendous collision, and where the way to life was opened. But all the cost and pain of the collision was absorbed by the heart of God. Wow. Let me repeat a, a piece of that devotional that leads us right into today's message. There is nothing in time or eternity more absolutely certain and irrefutable that what Jesus accomplished on the cross, he made it possible for the entire human race to be brought back into a right standing relationship with God. He made redemption the foundation of human life. That is, he made a way for every person to have fellowship with God. There is your reason. There's your explanation, your motivation, your proof, your, your definition, and your calling to have a true relationship with your God. So with that, let's get more into the word and find out how to have a true relationship with God. I don't want to be a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, but the one who did not know and did what was deserving a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone, I'm going to repeat, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Here's another verse that just shook me up, shook me awake. Negligence is not an excuse. So either way, there either way, there's punishment for doing wrong, whether or not you know it is, and and you choose to ignore it, or whether you don't realize it's wrong. Since it's your obligation to know what is right, what is almost right, which is also defined as what is wrong. And the severity of punishment is dictated by both. But I don't know about you, but I'd assume we'd like to have both, right? Knowing and obeying what is right and avoiding punishment. So the more I um, began to dive into the word, the more I realized that I was convicted, that I didn't even know what I should uh, know. The things that I thought I knew were either wrong or off the mark on, and the hunger inside of me to know even more was like a raging fire I couldn't put out, nor did I want to. So my desire was the burning fire, looking for just more oxygen inside the word to to burn even more fiercely for him. And to seek out even more wisdom, knowledge, and love that pours out from God's word, the Bible. And then it hits me. The part of the verse, everyone to whom much was given of much Will be required, and from him to whom they've entrusted much, they will demand the more. So, at that moment, I realized the more I receive, the more wisdom God and the Holy Spirit is giving me, the more I'm, I'm bound by it willingly and happily. But the more I then seek, it entails the need to provide even more in return. It's cyclical, and that's okay. The reason I was not allowed to receive what I sought after when I was backslidden was because I wouldn't have been trusted to do the right thing with it. And that's 100% true. After surrendering all to him, the more knowledge, the more blessings, the more grace he provides me, you, the more it becomes our duty and our responsibility and our command from him to provide the same back. Uh, for, for what use is the knowledge and wisdom gained by our Savior and Lord if if kept to myself? How much do I have to hate someone not to share what God and the Holy Spirit have entrusted and instilled in me? It's the same as gaining the whole world but losing my soul. No one wins. The whole reason for this podcast is that the amount of knowledge and understanding and wisdom and direction God has given me, He's asked me to pour out and serve Him by serving you, His listeners. You're not my listeners, you're His listeners. And I find myself living out this verse because the more that's downloaded into my heart and my mind and soul, the more I'm on fire to get it out and share it with the world. Every day I witness the breath of God through his miracle called life. So let's dive into Hebrews chapter two, verse one. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. So here's guidance for you and I. I gather that... People and information that we see value in, we hold tightly to, correct? So if we love and value and cherish someone and the words that they speak have meaning to us, do we ignore them and move on or do we hold them close to our hearts forever? Why then do we many times not do the same with Jesus? I'm raising my hand here. I'm not above what I'm speaking here. I'm the blame as well. We pay attention to the word and the voice of God because the cost of not is that we fall away from it and we can become backslidden. It's a constant battle not to fall and begin sliding back into the welcoming arms of the enemy. They are always open, ready to embrace us at every turn, no? So on to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, repeat, Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So here's guidance on how to live if you are truly in Christ. It's right there in your Bible. The old you becomes no more. And the new arrives and grows and flourishes. How can you be made new if you're clinging to the old? You can't read another way Anyone who is not in Christ is not a new creation. The old has not passed away. Behold, the new has not come. Therefore, what does it speak to you? I'm not implying. I'm asking. How do you measure up with this biblical and spiritual absolute? So Matthew chapter six, verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Well, if you can recall back to episode one, and on a side note, if any of you have not listened to my first episode, please listen to that. It will put my life into perspective as, as well as this podcast. And most importantly, it will give God the glory that he deserves for truly saving a wretch like me with his amazing grace. So recalling back to episode one, I felt this before I read this. The Holy Spirit's conviction that I could not explain provided this insight to me before I read these actual words from the Bible. I absolutely, unequivocally loved money. When I I did not have it, I stopped at nothing to get it. When I had it, I spent it and I wanted more of it. My daily devotion was not to God, but to self, myself. I was a lover of self. How do I know? Because every moment of every day was about my comfort, my happiness, my contentment, right? My wants, my needs, my future, my present, my path in life, my money, my things, my goals, my desires, my treasures on earth. I was serving myself as my master and money second. God was the furthest thing I was serving. Did I believe in him? Sure. But so does the devil and demons. All of hell believes in him. So because all I did was simply believe in him, so what? I wasn't and didn't serve him. Another conviction and another path to hell God saved me from. You know, the more I look at that passage, the more I realize how easy it is not to know how God wants a relationship with him until we truly seek to understand his will for our life and for our true relationship with him. He wants us to know so badly That he created what we know to be the Bible to instruct us on all things. What good is knowing the business and, and the entrepreneurial and self help and those other books if we don't absorb the one and only living Word of God? It's not the good book, it's God's instruction manual for our lives and our eternal destination. And what we do with it, he leaves in our hands. So in 1 John chapter 2, 3-6, to 6, it reads, And by this we know that we've come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked." It's verses like this that that just leave me speechless. So to my knowledge, there's only three ways to interpret scripture such as this. Number one, to uh, read it and believe it as it's written. Believing that what is written is true and correct, okay? Two, read it and make your own interpretation out of it or twist it or contort it to fit your life and its circumstances, or three, somehow simply dismiss it as back in the day and taken out of context and believe it to be valid and true back then, but not as applicable in today's world. So which of the three, uh, the, the three of those holds true for you? By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him should walk in the same way in which he walked. Does this describe you? Once again, I'm not here to condemn or judge, I can't. And I know the punishment for those that do. We just went over this in a recent episode. I can only point out the words that have still left my jaw on the ground in utter amazement and realization that I need God way more than he needs me. That's an understatement, by the way. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I'm going to repeat that. Without which no one will see the Lord. Because we're his children, by faith, we've been permanently positioned in Christ, which has given us peace with God, uh, the forgiveness of sins, and life everlasting. But now that we've been saved by grace through faith in him, we're to strive to live in peace with all people And to pursue godly consecration and holiness of heart, without which we're told no one will ever see the Lord. We're called to be holy and set apart unto him, for God is holy. But this can't be achieved by our own efforts. We're commanded to be holy and consecrated unto the Lord in body, in soul, and spirit, but we can't do this in our own strength. We're instructed to be holy in all of our uh, words and in all of our ways. We're directed to be holy and blameless in his sight and pursue after peace and holiness in love. It's only through the empowering of the Holy Spirit that we can pursue peace with all and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. There's many dangers for the one that fails to pursue peace and rejects Christ's call to holiness. So unless we're saved by faith, we cannot have peace with God, and unless we're walking in spirit and truth, we'll not know the peace of God. When we choose, because it's a choice, right? When we choose to walk in fleshly disobedience and carnal disbelief, when we take hold of the privileges of the new covenant in contempt, or we, when we fellowship with the unfruitful world, uh, with the works of darkness, the consequences of sin will result in irrevocable loss, saved yet as through fire. So we're holy unto the Lord because we're set aside by God and we're positioned in heavenly places in Christ. And we're to be holy because the Lord our God is holy. We're to be holy by setting ourselves apart for him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Surrendering to him in every corner of our life and every attitude of our being. Surrendered to him for his praise and glory through time and into eternity. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, "...and without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him." If you believe that whoever would draw near to God and believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him, how are we to draw near to him? How are we to seek him? He tells us how. Jesus told us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and to love others as yourself. We seek him by prayer and praise and and worship, and we seek to know him and to have an intimate relationship with our Father by reading his living breathing word we draw near to him by our love for others and by our obedience we should seek to have and then achieve the greatest relationship we've ever known to the greatest one who deserves our faithful and daily communion with him for who deserves better than he you or me certainly not matthew chapter 25 describes another way we please him. This is another uh, revelation to me that shook me awake that I cannot deny or keep from you all. You know, perhaps there's one of you listening that have never heard these words, so this is especially for your ears. For those that have have ears should listen. This is all from Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46. Side note. I always grew up wishing one day... We could uh, acquire a crystal ball, right? That That would tell us our future. How about you all? It wasn't until two years ago that this whole time we actually do. It's called the Bible. Here's one proof of it. This is entitled The Final Judgment. Again, chapters uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, that he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd, a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, And the goats, by the way, they're the backslidden and those that thought they were saved. Another revelation, and perhaps for another future podcast, at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply to, uh, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least one of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous will go into eternal life. There is nothing left to interpretation here. There's only direction given by God on how to live in one aspect of your life. It's undeniable and it's powerful. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 3, if you have uh, if you've then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you've died and risen through being resurrected in a new life with him, you're not your own. And that's, that's why he stated, if then you have been raised with Christ. The directive here is to seek the things of God and set your mind on those things, not the things that are uh, of the earth. The earth is going to pass away in our lives in the blink of an eye. The earth does not hold the treasures of heaven nor the Father. So if you've died from your old self, the new the new life is Jesus Christ in God. You, you are seated on the mercy seat, even though your human body is here on earth. On earth as it is in heaven, our role is is to live our life in Christ and he in us. It allows us to walk with him here on earth, but it also allows him to walk here on earth through us, allowing his work to be done through us on earth, through him that strengthen us. We multiply the effects of Jesus Christ through how we live our life here on earth. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So Galatians chapter one, verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So who do we try to please on earth? It determines who we serve. Am I I misinterpreting this here? No, of course not. But we don't hear enough of this. Yet There, there's lies directed by anyone and everyone. Here it is, in God's breath. If we're still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, before we end today's show, I want to end with a powerful warning from the Bible, coupled with hope to overcome. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse nine to eleven, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So here's the big tie-in verse here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is... Therefore, now, no condemnation. Repeat, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't miss the blessing and the curse or uh, warning of this verse. The blessing is there is no condemnation. The curse or the warning is for those that are not in Jesus Christ, We've just spent two episodes giving just a few examples from the Bible on, on how we're defined as being in Christ from those that are not in Christ, Jesus. And for those, there is condemnation. There's a point in time where we seek to believe, become saved, obey and love him because heaven is much better than hell, right? But then there's a turning point. When we seek him that allows us to fall in love with Jesus Christ and dwell in him and he in us. That, my friends, is the definition and the proof of a true relationship with Jesus. Guys, what kind of true relationship do you actually have right this very moment with Jesus? So before we end today's show, I just want to thank you all again for tuning in, and I hope you were touched by God through today's message and scripture. I'd like to ask you a favor only if you've received any value out of today's show. Would you tell at least one person you know? Just call them, text them, email them, talk to them. Tell them to give the show a listen. It may just help them in their walk with Christ. Also, I really need your support. If you could do me a huge favor, would you go right now to whichever podcast app you're listening through today? Just give me a quick star rating. If you want to go the extra mile for Christ, not me, just put a quick review. It takes 20 seconds. I'd love that help and support for you guys, but it allows the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reach even more lives through this broadcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact. You can also email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com or even call or text me directly for any reason. My number is 407-493-3208. Again, my direct line is 407 407- Four nine three three two zero eight. 493-3208. I want your feedback, questions, ideas, requests, criticisms, corrections. I want it all. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me as well. If you have a life and or uh, eternity changing story you'd like to share, please let me know and I'll schedule you in. We don't hear enough of the truth these days or the positive ways of God and Jesus Christ these days. And this podcast is, is going to help change that up. I'd love your help with this where you can. So, next week, tune in next Sunday evening or whenever you're able as we dive into another hot topic, which is if you could change something significant about how you live your life to better it, what would it be? And could you change that starting today? Just a, a bit of a, uh, a preliminary warning. I'm going to get detailed and specific on how god changed some significant happenings in my life that may be a little sensitive to some listeners so please keep that in mind when listening to next week's show or simply skip it it's not to offend anyone but sometimes life lessons are meant to be shared with others especially those that may be going through the same and above all To give glory to the Most High who deserves our constant praise and thanks. How can he be our Savior if he has nothing to save us from, right? In any event, next week's episode is another that you do not want to miss. So until next week, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all.